The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your host. Welcome, our online listeners. This morning's message is called Obedience for the Social Area of Life. And I'm going to run through this very quickly. So I want to encourage you to go back to the place that you got the podcast, and you'll see a little PDF icon there. Print off that PowerPoint slide presentation in PDF. And if for some reason there's not a PowerPoint PDF, there should be a PDF there on the actual written article on this topic. So print that off. So today, the social area of life, we're going to talk about obedience. So let's jump in and take a look at our very first slide. Being obedient in the social area of life starts with the believer's citizenship in heaven. And this is why we eagerly await for our husband, Jesus Christ, which is according to Philippians 3.20. All of our earthly social behavior and activities should replicate this citizenship of our allegiance to Christ. The proof of this is in our position of being seated at the right hand of God in Christ. Someone please read for us again Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. So, first verse is, If then you have been raised up with Christ Jesus and seated with our husband, where it is you are seated is where it is you're claiming your citizenship to be. Someone please look up Philippians 3.20, and when you do get that verse, please read it out loud. Verse 2 says, set your mind on these things, on the things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. So the citizenship, what we set our minds on, is what we're going to look at. So whatever is going on inside your mind is what you're going to start looking at this next week. If you're setting your mind on, on lust and deception, those are the things your eyes are going to look at this next week. So if your mind is set on, on stuff that's going on in heaven, and you're looking down on your problems, that's what you're going to look at with your eyes this next week. The things that will benefit your citizenship in heaven or the things that are gonna, you think are going to benefit a citizenship on earth that doesn't even exist for you. Now, if you're an unbeliever and you're listening, your citizenship is this earth. Your daddy is the devil. And whether you even want to evaluate the whole concept of you going to hell with your daddy... You know, that's between you and God. But I can tell you this. Being citizens of heaven and the scriptures telling us that we are literally seated at the right hand of God says this in the most intimate term, is you are seated by your daddy. 
So wherever your daddy goes is where your worldview is going to be coming from. Who has the Philippians passage? Ab? For our citizenship is in heaven, who we eagerly what? Going to a funeral, for example. Don't make it up in your mind if you were there. What are some of the thoughts that go through your head? I mean, you see in a casket, you see in this body laying there that, that looks as pale and placid as the casket itself. You see all this fake makeup on the, on the person you knew. You see them trying to doll them up to look acceptable and presentable to, to family and friends. I don't even bother looking at it. Sometimes I have to as a pastor to show respect. But it's kind of an insult to the person in the casket because it's not who it's not them anymore. They've gone on to where their citizenship is. So what kind of things do you think about? Okay? You see, we who are in Christ Jesus, who are seated at the right hand of God, are able to have an eternal perspective when we see death dying and dead bodies. And that is, we're looking at this as I said to my grandchild yesterday, is nothing more than a cardboard box. I mean, the, the actual person laying in the casket is a cardboard box. It's going into the grave. It's going to deteriorate with the, with the ground. And it's a cardboard box. As insulting that is to particularly family members who spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on somehow preserving this body when it goes into the ground, it's going to deteriorate. And if it survives not deteriorating, if they were able to preserve this casket in this this very expensive vault, it would still burn up in the great lake of fire. It's a box. It's a shell. It is something that houses who we are. Now we need to keep that perspective in mind because we actually can function day to day, all day long from an actual heavenly perspective. So let's break our passage down here. This passage is one of the clearest in the scriptures regarding our heavenly position and just how we should be and how this should be affecting our earthly living in relationships. So here's our points of truth. Number one, we have been raised with Christ and seated at the Father's right hand. Now that happens after we die, right? It happens on the day you make the great exchange. When your damnic nature is sucked out of your very box and crucified with Christ... And the life of Christ is breathed into you by the breath of the Holy Spirit. That exchange puts you at the right hand of God instantly. It's not something you look forward to. If that was the case, you couldn't have a citizenship of heaven worldview until you got there. Your worldview is where you're seated. Where you're seated is where you are saying, I am of my daddy. So we're at the right hand of our daddy. We're at the right side of Christ Jesus, our husband. 
on the moment that exchange is made. Number two, we are called to seek the things in our heavenly citizenship. If you look out first, not down toward the earth or where our box is located, our earthen vessel, but if we first scan the horizon of our heavenly view and see our true citizenship, and there's a lot in the Bible about where we're going. Then when you look, into this earthen, earthenware and these boxes running around with shoes and blue jeans. And, you know, they think all of life is around this box, this earthen vessel, this earth suit. It's almost laughable when you see all these people running around thinking they're big shots on this earth. That is not, it's not even a speck. In God's eternal perspective, earth is, is barely registered on eternal life. I mean, the whole 7,000 years that is granted to this little planet, if you looked at the timeline of Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you just put the earth and every generation in of on that earth... And just drop the earth into that timeline, we're nothing. A whole human lifespan of 40 years is considered what in God's nostril? A vapor. It takes 7,000 years of people being born for God to get a full breath. And it's done. The whole 7,000 years spanking Satan thing is done. 7,000 years of people being born. So you got to go, well, there's got to be something more to life than this earth being dropped in this timeline. Seriously, guys. There's a lot more. That's the perspective we're supposed to have. Number three. We are to set our minds on things we see in heaven and avoid setting our minds on things we see here on this earth. But we have the tendency to believe what we see. Number four, he reminds us of our co-death, burial, and resurrection and ascension. Isn't it cool that at the funeral yesterday you realize that here's what stays in the tomb. There's a spiritual wall between heaven and this earthen vessel. And once you step over this line and enter into getting this new body, joining with who you are at the right hand of God, your daddy, there is no looking back. You can't even if you try it. So the whole thing that we're doing is for who? Yeah. Everything that happens on the earth stays on the earth. That doesn't just apply to Vegas. That is a earthly principle. Everything that's said, everything that's done outside of Christ Jesus stays on the earth. Everything that's done in Christ Jesus 
goes on for eternity. Beautiful thing. Number five, our lives are hidden with Christ in God. This is the one piece of scripture in the New Testament that if you appropriated it with the understanding of the exchanged life, who you are in Christ, you'll never, ever be the same. You won't be standing toe-to-toe with Satan and telling him things and telling him he's a loser and you would not even acknowledge his existence if you understood the fact that you were hidden in Christ. If you're hidden in Christ, that means he can't get to you and he can't even find you. And if you think that Satan's got some kind of ability to go up where you are seated at the right hand of God, bust through all of the the bodyguards called angels, and get in there to the holy of holies, the inner room of eternity, and, and say, I want Finney, now. We are hidden in Christ, seated at the right hand of God, and the enemy has to use deception to confuse you to think that he can have access to you. And so what are people responding to when they fall to this access? Lies. He's a liar. He couldn't get at Adam, so he had to go through Eve. He couldn't even get to Eve unless she made the choice to listen to his stupid lie. He doesn't have access like you think. But he's a great liar. And he lies to some of the most powerful teachers, preachers, and Christians walking the face of the earth. And it does seem to work. Why? Because of our earthen vessel. It's like a tree, guys. Your roots go deep into the soil of the earth. And you're trying to gain nutrients out of this earth to live your life each day. And the facts are, you're sucking up all the sin and defilement that is assigned to the earth. Someone please tell me what God cursed the ground. Man didn't get cursed. It was the ground. So I don't know where these preachers get the idea of the curse of man has been broken and whatever. Well, the curse of sin has certainly been broken. We've been released from the power of sin. But the fact is, this earth has been cursed. Cursed is the ground upon which you walk, Adam, and everything you do is going to be done by sweat of your brow and the toil of your hand. You'll produce, instead of fruit, you're going to produce thorns and thistles. And so what has mankind done? They've created chemicals to fight weeds. They've created anything and everything possible to stop the deteriorating process of Mother Earth. They're trying to turn this Earth back into being organic. Why? So it can be thrown into a bonfire? This Earth will never be organic again. Ever. We're going to have to be given a brand new Earth that is truly from the organs of God. This one's never going to make it again. You could get rid of every chemical on the face of the earth, and I'm telling you, the earth itself will continue to die daily. Because it's a command. 
Nothing gets released until God releases it. That is right out of Jesus' mouth. What is bound on earth is bound in heaven. What is released on earth is released in heaven. This is a mandate of God of the curse that shall lead all people to death so that they will discover true life. When Christ, number six, when Christ who is our life is revealed, then the believer will be revealed with him. Seven, we are called to consider the members of our earthly bodies, and that's our fingers and toes, dead to the lust of the flesh, which amounts to idolatry to him. Anyone who cannot look beyond the grave and see eternal life is involved in idolatry. And I'm telling you, life in itself is just rolling and shifting and rolling and shifting to the point that we, we bring such glory and honor to people on earth in such a way that they don't even see it from heaven. But there is a certain amount of love and respect we need to communicate to our loved ones around. And that's what weddings are for. That's what burials are for. But there was no celebration service, I can assure you, for Jesus Christ when they put him in the tomb. Because I understand the Jewish ways, and it's one of the most reverent, quiet times, is you're putting their body to rest forever. There was no party outside the tomb. There was no lunch waiting for them. It was a time when they entered the tomb that grief was to do its task. And that silence a human soul so they can reflect on eternal life, hopefully. Number eight, here's our warning. It is because of these earthly things that the wrath of God will come to the people of disobedience who set their affections on earthly things and relationships. Number nine tells us the mandate here is to put all earthly things aside that pertain to our social lives. And then number 10, we are told not to lie, but to lay aside all evil practices. Number 11 is to put on the new self, and that's the life of Christ, which provides renewal in our minds, A renewal that shows no distinctions in human relationships. And then, of course, finally, number 12, and that is to answer the question, why is Christ is all and in all regarding those who are in him? Here's our three worldviews. This must never be forgotten, actually. The blunt reality is we live in a darkened world filled with social depravity. This depravity does not have... uh, marking effect on us, or at least it shouldn't, if we choose to set our our minds on it. There are three worldviews, life views, that we need to take a look at here. Number one is hanging on the cross, which is the oh, woe is me. And my guesstimate is that the guy on the right, the guy on the left, and the guy on the left was probably from this worldview perspective. Oh, woe is me, I'm on this cross, I'm dying. How come this guy over here is getting all the attention? And then we have worldview number two, and that is the tomb dwelling, sitting in despair and darkness. It's kind of what our world's classically come up with, thanks to Freud. And this is where we have this birthing of this department of life called psychology. 
In this worldview, there was something birthed called depression. Depression is not found in the Bible, not in the Hebrew, not in the Greek. But there is a word very closely associated with it that is found in the Bible, both in the Hebrew and the Greek. Please, my perpetual students that I know are listening to this podcast, please listen to this very, very, very carefully. There is absolutely nothing said in the Hebrew, nothing said in the Greek, except for your new gender-friendly Bibles. And they're using terms like this. They're integrating terms from the world of psychobabble into these translations. And guess what word showed up in this new translation? Depression. It doesn't exist. Someone please tell me the word that does exist. Despair and oppression. Oppression is defined on both sides of our translations as demonic. Oppression is demonic. It's a force from the outside. And here's how a, a, an exchange life counselor communicated it to me one time. He gets up from his chair, comes around, and he puts his hands on my head and slowly starts to squeeze. And pretty soon, that's going to affect your thoughts. That's oppression. It's like the term opinion. It's an external force coming in and squeezing from the outside, and it affects your choices. Depression, on the other hand, is classically defined as something on the inside, creating this darkness. Liar, liar, pants on fire. There's no thing that exists like this, unless you're possessed by the devil. Maybe it would work in that case. Tomb dwelling is people who suffer with despair and external darkness affecting their thoughts. Worldview number three is seated in heaven, looking at life from the position of being seated at the right hand of God. So here's our three worldviews, making note of this again. Worldview number one is I'm going to stay hanging on the cross, feel sorry for myself, woe is me. Worldview number two is to stay in the tomb and let outer darkness affect my inward feelings of despair. Worldview number three is seated at the right hand of God, looking through your view of citizenship of heaven down into this earthenware. Those are the only three worldviews I have found in the Bible. As I disciple others, these are the three worldviews I determined to isolate, the goal being obvious, to have the believer view life from their heavenly citizenship. Because we've, called, we've been called to submit to our, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether a king as in one authority or to those who are given to govern over us, the challenge of viewing life through our citizenship in heaven becomes our greatest challenge. So here we got it. The balance is found in submitting to God first and then to man. If an earthly authority requires of us to violate the ordinances of God, well, we don't submit. We obey God rather than man. So I want to ask you a very simple question. 
I don't think what you're reading on the screen right now is new to you. But why wouldn't this apply to definitions of terms of humanity? Why wouldn't this apply to the balance is found in submitting to God first and then to man's terminology? If, it, if an earthly authority or teacher requires of us to violate the ordinances or the true identity statements of God, we not ought submit. Why are we buying into these ridiculous titles and labels from schizophrenia to depression to whatever, and then we're loaded up on medications to try to survive this external oppression? The very term pharmacy comes from Greek word pharmakia, and pharmakia means demonic influence, quote unquote. Chemicals are literally based on demonic influence, and you think that's accident? It is not accident. You see, we may be quick to say this scripture in respects of, oh, I got to submit to my boss. But how many true Indoel Christians are walking the face of the earth saying, I'm going to quit buying into submitting myself to these earthly terms? What you set your eyes on, you're going to go get medicine to try to fix. You see, what you set your affection on terminology-wise, you've got to go to their resources to figure out how to fix it. But if you are viewing all of life's problems from a spiritual perspective of God is the sovereign God in charge, we'll go to him first. Then we may go get some antibiotics. Then we may go get some medicines that could help he bring a healing or whatever. But you first must appeal to God. First, if the government authority does not ask us to violate God's mandates for daily living, we submit with an attitude of joy and peace. Let it be said that a responsible citizen of heaven is not rebellious, is not self-willed or disobedient. The believer is to be law-abiding, obedient, peace-loving, but at the same time is deeply committed to the life and character of the holiness of Christ from within, whom the believer belongs and ultimately serves. The way we serve here is registered as eternal weight of glory, as Paul said, in heaven. Everything else you did in, after, or because of the flesh, it's not even in heaven. It's not even registered. You won't have memory of it. You won't be able to look back on it. You won't be able to watch people and see how they're glorifying your name? No. You will see nothing but the investment of eternal life for your husband, Jesus Christ. It isn't about you. It isn't about me. It's about that investment. Here's the price of doing right. In order to stand faithful to God through Christ, as opposed to the ordinances of man, we certainly have its price tag. The one who arrogantly stands for their rights as a citizen in heaven against the laws of man has misused the scriptural mandates. These are people that run, put picket signs together, and they go out as Christians and they're demanding their rights as Christians in a land that they don't own. I don't care if you call yourself an American 
or my buddy over in Europe who's having all these frustrations with France right now, or my buddy over in India. I don't care what country you're in. You don't have rights as a missionary to make these picket sign statements because you are a citizen of heaven and you are here as a missionary and not to fight the war of the worlds, but to proclaim the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So if you put anything on your picket sign, it should be to glorify the Lord thy God, who is the King of kings. He was the ruler of all the universe, but that's not what we do. We start putting picket signs together on demanding what marriage looks like, demanding what our rights are as Christians. No, that's not why we were put here. That is actually a covert message of saying, I am trying to recapture the earth for the organic purpose of what it was given to us for. This earth was put together for one single purpose, to spank Satan. And this whole birthing process of humans for, for, was to even further spank Satan for God to say, out of such destruction and despair and idolatry and the list goes on and on. I am going to redeem my son's bride for him through this process and further rub it in your face that in your darkness and spare I will use that to redeem a perfect bride for my son. And here we're trying to make it about politics and other things that it is not about. Indwell believers should not be acquainted with the Christians' acts of terrorism, which is what we're being known for, endeavoring to force governing institutions to give in to demands of the minority, or with protest marches or demonstrations to prove and stand immovable in their rights as citizens of heaven, which is a common practice today. Anytime you see that on the news or in a ministry, you can pretty much be assured they do not understand the worldview of being seated at the right hand of God, looking down on a world that's going to burn, completely burn. Fact is, I believe this is one of the most ignored verses in the entire Bible. The Christian worldview today has focused their ministry efforts on helping Christians to be something and all that they can be. That puts a primary on the teaching people basically to deceive themselves. So when we see Galatians 6 3, for if anyone who thinks he's something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. So, yes, you read this correct. I know I speak as if insane, but the truth is God works to lead us to nothingness while his church is working against him to produce self-sufficient and sufficient believers. The reason why competition is a sin is because competition focuses on being in first place. And the word is clear about this misnomer. There is no country in this world that is not trying to master the art of crawling up the ladder of not wanting to be in last place. You want to hear an interesting statistic? What country has been known for generations of being in first place? 
the most powerful man in the world, the most powerful country in the world, America. But my buddy from France is reading the newspapers every day over in France. And guess what they're saying about America? It's finished. There was a partnership between the president of France and the president of the United States of America to decolonize and put our countries in last place. I don't know if you've been reading the news of what's happening in France. Unbelievable. But I know something else that's going on in France that the previous president warned us about, president of France. They didn't listen, just as we didn't. There's a reason. There's a cultural group behind putting anyone who thinks this into last place. And it just happens to be the Ishmaelites that hate us or any country that proclaims to be in first place. So even in our earthly domain, we whoever says they're in first place is going to end up in last place. Whoever has been forced into last place for some reason ends up in first place. The most dangerous group in the entire world that has always threatened Jerusalem. Statistics are showing us in 2014 they're ending up in first place. It is a principle that does work. It's a principle that is used in politics. Now let's finish with this. Christ is clear about putting all those who desire to be in first place to be in last. Scripture is clear on this. Secondly, an indwell believer cannot embrace and ask Christ to reduce them to nothing unless Christ says Christ is first in all things in that person's life. If you don't have a desire for Christ to be first, then you're actually forcing the hand of God to bring you into last place without your consent, submission, surrender. He who surrenders to this has less of a hardship to walk. He who fights this has more of a hardship to walk out because their hardship is in here. They're fighting it. That's where the hardship is getting them. It's going to happen to either way. God has ordained himself to reduce us to nothing. To get us in last place. Comment was made earlier in a testimony about how things are going to be in heaven. Who's going to serve her, who. But we're going to find an amazing, amazing, amazing fact when we get on the other side. We're going to discover that most of the people there, if not all of them, were nobodies on earth. Wouldn't that shock us? Wouldn't that shock us that all the famous preachers who who sold off their ministries and made millions of dollars to drive around in their, their Mercedes and their whatever, wouldn't it be interesting to know that they're not even a part of the network of Jesus Christ's bridal party? Wouldn't it be interesting to know that all those preachers that strive for first place aren't even there? What if that was the determining factor of evidence of a true indwell believer? Because I want to be in last place. What if? 
I'm not proclaiming this as doctrine. I'm just saying, what if? The only people that even get into heaven are the last place people. What if it's only the last people that are in heaven as citizens of heaven? Well, you are the only one that can wrestle with that in Christ Jesus. But I can only tell you what the mission is that has been put in front of us is we must remain in last place to be put in first place as the bridal members of Jesus Christ. And what if he's only going to accept the gals who said, I want to be in last place. And then he goes, I want you. Because there's no threat against the husband. There are so many fake women walking the face of the earth, calling themselves Christian women, saying they submit to their husbands, and they just manipulate through their submission their husbands. They're as fake as the stuff hanging on their wall. It will burn as the stuff hanging on their wall. True, authentic bridal members use everything they have, who they are, to build up their husband. Those husbands then take everything, who they are, what they do, who, and they give it to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ takes everything the bride has given to him, every spiritual gift, everything of who they are, and gives it unto the Father. That's what we're going to see in heaven. A believer who is to be living example of genuine love, in order for others to ask that big question, is where in the world are you getting this love? Where, where are you getting this bridal member stuff? Where are you getting this, you got to be in last place thing? Do you realize you're rubbing in the face of the main goal of humanity? Yeah. Why do you teach to lose at games? Why do you teach to lose in society? Why do you teach to be... The gutter people, why do you teach work? Well, well, number one, that's the people Christ came to actually spend one-on-one time with. You go do your own research, I've done mine. But the people that he had personal relationship with on earth were the scumbags of the earth. Were the disease-infested people. And if they were powerful tax gatherers, he'd reduce them to nothing. And then have relationship with them. There's some kind of message there that is being given to us that we carefully need to review. So here we have it. There is more damage done under the banner of Christendom than not. And even if these groups won't admit it, they're buying into the doctrines of the Reconstructionists, the Kingdom Now, the cult movements that basically believe that this earth is to be reconstructed for God's kingdom and its present state. In fact, God is going to burn this earth and all those who are insulting the bride of Christ and a new earth is going to be made. God's going to take the bride of Christ and put them on this new earth, which is where Jesus, our husband, is going to be. And then... The new Jerusalem will be moved to this new earth and there will be everything new. That is what we have to look forward to as 
citizens of heaven. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.